Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. This is a secret, non-terrestrial podcast. <laughs> your co-host, Hunter. All right, I have to say this right here, right now, before we go any further. For all of you Star Wars fans out there, if you have not done so, go to GOG.com right now and buy Episode One Racer. Do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do it right now. It's just a shame that the sequel never made it to the PC because the sequel's even better. Really, but that's okay. But that's yeah. Okay. No, not we, not we have something. That's official. It's a bad thing. Yeah, it's supported. It works. Did you play it in widescreen? I haven't even launched it yet. Did you play it in widescreen? Did it look great? Do it. <laughs> I mean, did you did you launch it Do in it. widescreen? <laughs> I, I did. Do it. I, I did play it in widescreen. Um, uh, the thing is though, the, there's gotta be a fix in like the I and I file because the cutscene videos, because the PC version had cutscene videos are like uh postage stamp on the screen. You're just like, wow. Oh, I well, they barely see that. That's probably their original result. They were probably recorded in like Correct. 640 by 480 back in whatever, or something like 2000. That. But, like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's, there's, I'm sure there's gonna be a fix for cutscene videos to make them bigger. I hope so. And but the, but there is native support for like you know um, I think two K up to two K at least. Wow, that's great. Uh, it's nineteen twenty by ten eighty is supported, so I can't wait to try it after the show. Uh, also joining us is your co-host Spaz. Hello, and my friends for the first time in a in a little while actually, um, we have a guest joining us from Portland, Oregon. Did I say that right? My my wife gives me crap about mm-hmm. how I say how I say the state name. Gentlemen, Gary McKinnon. Is it Oregon or Oregon? Oregon, Oregon. It's not Gary McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Hey Nicole. <laughs> hey Nicole. Yeah. Apparently, I'm saying Oregon right. Anyway, <laughs> I had an Oregoner tell me I'm saying it right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. He's, well, he's well, from the state. Told, I'm anyway, I'm not actually native to Oregon, but that's all right. Well, no, I still say anyway. You used to say Oregon. Right? I still don't say you Oregon. Say Nevada. Neva- Nevada. Nevada. Ooh, you did it my way the first time. Good I don't job. know anymore. Anyway, that's a thing. Hi. Ah, uh, yeah. Joining us from Portland, Oregon. I did there. I did Oregon. it. There it is. Oregon. I did it. Right. I did it. Um. Is Dan Adams, CEO of Polar Zenith? <laughs> yeah. How's it going, everybody? Uh, welcome, Dan. Thank you for joining us. Thank uh, you. Dan is. Me. Oh, our pleasure. Dan is working on the currently kickstarting game Solar Warden. Uh, That's correct. Which, according to Click Track, Kick Track, I keep wanting to call it Click Track, but it's Kick Track. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you are on track <laughs> to. Uh, awesome. <laughs> to uh, make 114% of your goal. So hopefully that that keeps, because that would be great. Oh, yeah. Well, we're, as, speaking of that, too, actually, uh, shortly this week, we're actually going to be announcing our uh, stretch goals because of uh, the percentage on track that we're actually going to be going to be going forward with. See, uh, that's we can, a good we can, idea. Later on down the stream, actually, I'll, I'll spill the beans on, on one of them so that you guys get, like, a cool exclusive. Ooh, see that's awesome. nice. That's nice. Like, I think when someone announces stretch goals right off the bat, it's like really, that's a bit. I don't know. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. We want no, to make not, sure that everybody was was not, uh, yeah. No, I'm saying on what we're going to be doing for the core game. No, I'm saying wanna, what you're doing is right. About stress rules, but I can't. No, 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 no. But no, 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 but first person. No, 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 no. But um, stop. <laughs> but I think the way you're doing it is like when you're more assured about making your initial goal, then yeah, you can start talking about stretch goals. That that seems a lot more. Not honest, but something along those lines. It seems a better it seems a better way to do it. You <laughs> we'll, know, it seems a, honest. It seems a better way to do it. Um, but sure. before, seems before, like a stretch. but before, uh, before we talk about Solar Warden, I'd like to real quick talk about the game you worked on before that. Uh, Mech Warrior. Oh, Mech Warrior. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, what ha- what else have you worked on? <laughs> I wanted to talk about Mech Warrior, but what else have you worked on? Oh, well, okay, let's let's get them out of the way. Uh, since I've been in, in game industry for about 10 years prior uh, to building Solar Warden, uh, so even before my um, my uh, work that I did on MechWare 11 Legends, uh, uh, or sorry, after MechWare 11 Legends, moving on to uh, my professional career, uh, I worked on the original Mass Effect. I worked on unannounced title, unfortunately, it, Fell short for Bioware. Um, that sounds like a moved great on game. From Bioware, unannounced title. It, it was like a fantastic. Oh, well, I could say it now because it's kind of long and done with. It was supposed to be a sequel to Jade Empire. Whoa! Oh, now, yeah. now I want things. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. it. W- regardless, uh, moved on from uh, Bioware. Went over to Crytek. Worked on uh, uh, worked on Crisis Two. Worked on Rise: Son of Rome. Uh, and then after Crytek moved over to uh, CIG, uh, worked on Star Citizen. I was lead technical designer there for a bit. And then even worked on uh, a Sony VR title uh, called Star Blood Arena. And then after all that, I was like, you know what? Considering how AAA is, is going right now, and I don't know how AAA treated me. I can't really go into details about that under NDAs and all that all that jazz. But, you know, after that, I decided, hey, why don't I go independent from what I did from Mech Warrior Living Legends, right? Uh, way, way back. I guess that's 10 years ago now. Wow. So back in 2009, we released uh, Mech Warrior Living Legends. It was a total conversion mod for Crisis. Hell uh, yeah. So many, 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 I hope many of your uh, listeners have. Actually, We're big fans. Uh, We're big fans. I, 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 I have a server in my house. There yeah, you we, go. Awesome. We are, we are- <laughs> with the robots in it, right? Yeah, we're we're big fans of Mech Warrior Living Legends. It's probably maybe until BattleTech, it was the one of the finest <laughs> mech games around. But mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, BattleTech. Anyway, <laughs> Mech Warrior Online. Are are you guys um, uh, what, okay? Before I th- before I, th- I spoil anybody else's opinions on it, what what do you guys think of the upcoming Mech Warrior Five? I have. Um, I'm skeptical. Um, I I am hopeful. Yes. But I am not holding my breath because no. of the no. bad taste that Warrior <laughs> Online left me. Yeah, so cautious, I agree. we got cautiously I optimistic. I am also yes, cautiously that's exactly optimistic. how I put it. Uh, <laughs> I would say I'm, Mech I'm, Warrior I'm, Living Legends is better than Mech Warrior Online by leaps oh, and bounds. Oh, I would say gameplay mechanics wise, yes. Population wise, not as much. You play uh, with more people in Mech Warrior Online. That's fair. It has sure. the name. It has the name. It's got I think, the support. I think Mech Warrior Online had probably significantly more budget. So yeah. Oh, it totally absolutely. did. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's a budget so, greater than zero. Yes, <laughs> that, that is true. Well, 
Well, I mean, there, there's in uh, Living Legends. I mean, there's still some jank, right? Like the, you know, the mechs don't feel as weighty as they could, and so, oh, of the, course, like you know, that sort of thing. But that's a that's a product of budget and stuff. Well, that's also a product so, of having to deal with the first the mod SDK and still not having the core cry engine code exposed to us. And thirdly, even even with the help of Crytech themselves back in the day, because, you know, the guys that are working well, on it now do well, not wait, have that. You worked at Crytech, so you didn't we have did. it. Dude. Sure. But even then, it's CryEngine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do we need to go into any further further detail than that? <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing I know about CryEngine is the netcode. That's that's. The part that oh, I'm it's all terrible. Troubleshoot and yeah, it's uh, not, it doesn't like awful. it doesn't like misordered packets at all. Like ejects people straight out. Yep. Of yep. Well, any malformed packet and it thinks you're cheating and it boots you. And there's there's real no no way around that, which is really retarded. Yeah. Uh, in order to 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 refactor that, you might as well just refactor the entire engine, or you know, better yet, go on to a different engine. I mean, there's there's other ones like Unity and Unreal. Hmm? Yeah, so I have a question <laughs> specific yeah, about that because I brought this up in, in their Discord, right? And it, it was like, okay, you guys have the, the idea for this game. You got the assets and stuff. Um, why not find a, a 3D model guy? Or there's so many freaking mechs that if you go on, on DeviantArt, you'll trip over them all day, right? There's people that are making killer models. Um, get permission from some people to pull their their stuff and put it in in Unreal Four. Well, there's you know instead, okay. but apparently so, there's license problems. Right? To clear any confusion up beforehand, I am no longer uh, working on actively on MechWare Living Legends uh, since obviously like I moved on to working on Solo Warden. Um, but with those guys, with the community guys, since they've resurrected it, I I suggested the exact same thing. I said, hey, why don't you guys take all the assets that we currently have in game? And make sure that, you know, look at how you can actually transfer them over to another engine. But I think it's more the ease and the convenience of, like, all that work that was already done for CryEngine. And they would have to mm. kind of, like, revamp and restart everything from scratch. And here, mm. here is the, the bigger worry. Um, right now, uh, I, I also told those guys, I said, hey, you know, I'll support you guys as long as Piranha Games isn't giving you, like, a cease and desist letter. Because everybody from the, the original development team like myself, my brother, uh, a lot of the core uh, guys that were working on it. We had like, you know, Defender. Uh, we had uh, Morgan Kita that was also working on it. All those guys have all like moved on. And so we didn't want to actually have any uh, like direct input in, onto the game anymore. We didn't feel that it was ours any uh, uh, anyway for the long run because it wasn't our IP. And since like Piranha has that license name to it, and they've also like renewed their license for the MechWarrior name, my thought is that as soon as MechWarrior Five comes out, there's probably going to be something similar to what happened with us back in the day. And it like officially it wasn't a cease and desist, but with Piranha, they're quietly asking us like, "Hey, we shouldn't segregate the actual team, and this might lead to bigger issues." So we decided to shut it down. So with them as well, it, it would be a huge risk to move over onto a, a new mm, engine now. That's fair. So like, because it would be, you know, depending how soon MechWarrior 5 comes out, um, that would be probably the day that 
MechWare Living Legends would have to shut down, unfortunately, again, is my guess. But well, was, oh, it, was it like a gentleman's agreement or a, or a phone call that was like, don't make us write a cease and desist? So I stop. can't go into the details of that. I'm sorry. That's cool. That's fair. So, Officially, yeah. I can't, I can't say anything. So you left MechWarrior Living Legends, and now you're working on uh, Solar Warden. So when did, yeah. you, uh, when did you start working on that, and what was, where did the concept come from? Uh, well, I guess the idea of Solar Warden was always something that I had kind of uh, toying around in, in the back burner. Even when we were developing, like, um, MWLL, we, we were saying, like, uh, why don't we look at, uh, after, like, MechWarrior, look at building out, like, other games. And this these were some designs that I had on the back burner for, like, um, ever since we actually had, like, our aerospace flying around in MechWarrior Living Legends, we were like, oh, dude, it would actually be really awesome to have, like, a, a space-only map with aerospace and even... Uh, plugging in like some spaceships that are actually flying around and 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 destroying each other, uh, and then that concept kind of evolved into its own idea where it was like, hey, why don't we look at you know making something more akin to kind of XCOM where you're actually like defending the planet, uh, and still that that idea was just actually developed uh, uh, originally like in CryEngine just for fun on like the free SDK, um, but of course that was the only thing that, you know, I was really involved, involved with in terms of like a, a an actual engine at the time. Um, but then, you know, got pulled into all these other uh, projects, other AAA titles completely took up all of my time. So th- those ideas uh, along with several other uh, games that I had for, for original designs and, and like a, a mixed arms fantasy game that I was working on too. Um, those were just kind of like, waiting sitting on my on my pc until i could actually turn turn that around and turn it into into something tangible so back in the day uh it was probably i guess i started this concept yeah about seven eight years ago uh and didn't really actually look at developing it fully until about like two years ago um and then only recently uh when i moved to to portland did i go full-on indie and decide to uh, spend like my, my full time actually making this and the name funny enough, (laughs) the name didn't actually come, come to me until, you know, uh, about like a year ago when uh, I was looking online uh, for fun. I I like to, uh, look through a bunch of like alien, um, uh, and conspiracy videos and, and read up on, on a bunch of those things just for fun. And I discovered actually like Solar Warden, the actual like space fleet that's supposed to be out there right now, a real conspiracy, the secret space fleet that's up there. And I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. <laughs> I found the name. <laughs> <for my> name. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, rumor has it that you found the, the original code actually on an unsecured government machine. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah kind yeah, of reverse exactly. engineering an alien game. That, so that's that exactly can, right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's actually meant to be a disclosure project. And it's actually secretly funded by, you know, the Illuminati, but I, I can't tell you guys. So like cut that out of the podcast if you can. Is this like last Starfighter where we're actually planning to be a part of the thing? That's, that's correct. Are you like, Centauri? <laughs> are you like Centauri? <laughs> I could be. Starfighter. <laughs> you are the last Starfighter. Actually, funny enough, um, 
<laughs> so uh the the actor uh who actually plays jonathan marcus uh he's he's actually my um he's my brother-in-law he he suggested to me uh to actually plug in so the ships themselves uh to jump into uh some of the specifics the ships themselves will actually have like specific upgrades and one of the ones that he wanted to have uh was actually the last starfighter death spin so that would be one of the ones that they could actually like yeah. plug in. So he, he does like an alpha strike and like swirls 360 and blows up everything around him. <laughs> well, you know, death blossom. Death it would be awesome. great. Death blossom. That's it. Yes. That's what it's called. If your if your intro cutscene was actually a kid playing the Solar Warden arcade game <laughs> and then he gets recruited, <laughs> that'd be awesome. So yeah, you brought up XCOM, and when I read about this and I, I've watched the videos you've made, it is it is kind of XCOM-y, but uh, you're not dealing with ground stuff at all. You're dealing with high no. high orbit, uh, high oh, orbit but can, combat. But can we talk about XCOM Interceptor for a moment? Because no, I feel come on, no, I feel <laughs> no. that this is the XCOM no. Interceptor that should have been I'm pretty much. Saying. Pretty much. Sh- we have we have experience. like don't don't look at XCOM inter like only look at XCOM Interceptor as the concept but not the actual game like think yeah. of yeah. XCOM oh. Interceptor meta game but yeah. with oh, like God. freelancer or free space mm. or like fill in the blank right yeah XCOM Interceptor was such a great concept such mm. a great concept but the game itself oh so <laughs> just so disappointing. Just so and, and then further to that was Enforcer, right? I never played that one. I never Ooh. bothered. I never. <laughs> I never. That was the not best one. I yeah. After after Interceptor, I I mean I I had such a sour taste, you know, in my mouth from it. It's like no. yeah. What, what was the real time one? That was Apocalypse. That was actually yeah. real. That was actually really good. I never probably, played Apocalypse. Oh, that's my favorite one actually. Because uh, I think mm. the 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 intimacy of a city. Like this huge city makes uh, it makes it more like it makes the sta- it makes the stakes feel higher because like this is your yep. last city, you know. Yeah, but and that's I, when they flipped over to that like weird fifties Art Deco aesthetic that they. I do love. In, I loved. I loved that in Apocalypse, but it didn't work in Interceptor. Really, didn't work in Interceptor. Anyway, back to Solar Warden. What engine? <laughs> what engine are you using for this game? Which which engine? Unreal Four. Oh, okay, that's one of the reasons. I'm, I'm proud so to be good. using it, actually. Oh what? man, oh, Will there like be what? Unreal Four versus CryEngine. It's like a breath of fresh air, man. Really? Yeah. Considering yeah. like anything that you really wanted to do, and like with their totally revamped uh, blueprint system versus Unreal Script, it was very much like the flow graph that I was that I was kind of used to for a, a lot of the prototyping stuff that we did with CryEngine, but stuff that's set up for game ready assets so you can use that for a lot of your final product which is great wait how does and this... it, it beats well you know what blueprints are right i i know what blueprints are but how do they okay in, how do they work with Un- i've never heard this before with unreal how do they work with the unreal engine well blu- well it's not like actual like you know 3d cad blueprints but it's it's a visual sure. uh visual scripting language so uh, if you have like uh, a node-based system where it's like some very basic logic of like here's my variable, uh, I hook it up to uh, to a node that actually does some math and then it spits out an output. 
rather than actually uh, specifically writing lines of code of either like, you know, Unreal Script or uh, C or anything that you, you know, any whatever language you want, Lua or whatever, all that doesn't need to be actually like written out line by line anymore. You can actually do those as their standalone nodes and just all you do is just click and drag and hook them up uh, directly into that. I actually have um, uh, the podcast where I was actually talking about the worm. Uh, I think I had a few shots in there where I was actually like mucking around with some of the blueprints, uh, getting getting some of them hooked up. Mm. So, so you should uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say because I'm watching the video that you sent us and the mm-hmm. the way the asteroids break apart into all these hundreds of little pieces and you have hundreds what, uh, of asteroids. What time frame are you at right now? So oh, I, can make sure I, uh, I honestly have no idea because it's on <laughs> uh, it's on a loop in OBS. The uh, in the video it is, but basically I'll just skip um, to some of the meteors. Go ahead. Yeah, but basically it's like really impressive how like you blow apart the meteor and there are these little red guys in the meteor that you have to shoot at, but there's still yeah. all these like tons of little pieces of the meteor just getting mm-hmm. in your way, which is just great. <laughs> well, that that's still a part of the uh, destructible meshes that the, it was a plugin from NVIDIA that actually had that for Unreal for the longest time. And now that they've actually separated it from the core engine, uh, now that's mm-hmm. actually uh, still a plugin that you can actually use. And I'm talking with NVIDIA now to further refine them actually quite a bit. Um, cause you can see like with a lot of the, the destructible pieces that, that are there, they're kind of like these, uh, set, uh, uh, like very rigid cuts in a bunch of different directions. So mm. we're actually looking at actually, uh, cutting them up into better subsections. Um, so how the, uh, meteors actually are, are breaking apart. They're actually the main ones that we have here is our just kind of one main prototype that we're working with. It has, six major pieces that are first cut apart uh, by a plugin called uh, Pull Down It. And I'm saying that right. It's Pull Down It. It was actually developed by um, uh, a fella from India who actually made this this plugin uh, for both Blender and 3ds Max. And it's a fantastic plugin where you can actually have like, you know, pre-broken assets and then you run a simulation on them if you want. But uh, we actually set them up so that all these individual pieces are, are pre-made and then we import them into the engine and then reassemble the asteroid with all these pre-broken major chunks, right? So you can see when I'm actually like shooting at it, if the big giant grub doesn't actually uh, bust a, a, out and uh, like Kool-Aid man, because the, the big grub actually destroys the entirety of the, uh, of the meteor. So if the small guys come out, then they're only breaking apart like uh, fractions of it. Those small fractions are like those six individual pieces first. Uh, and then when you're actually shooting at those individual pieces, then those break apart into their own destructible meshes. So we have mm. subcuts of each one of these meteors. And we're working with, uh, uh, we're actually talking with NVIDIA right now to actually um, sort out with them how we wanted to have more of a procedural setup with these. So in that way, we had like procedural cuts on these uh, uh, different meteors and then also like different subsections that are breaking apart and actually like fading into dust and have like a lot more like really oomph to the the destruction of these of these asteroids. Right. Uh, it looks even in this very early stage on the video it looks great. Now basically awesome. Thank you, um now basically in the game you're part of this orbital defense force that's 
Mm-hmm. It looks like at first you're defending uh, the Earth from meteors, but then it looks like lots of aliens come in, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. So uh, it looks like it's a mix of um, real-time strategy and uh, individual ship piloting. So give That's it like a, a rundown of how like a, a typical like scenario slash mission work. Because there is a campaign. And uh, yeah. right, and is the campaign scripted or is it more XCOMy with like uh... very XCOMy? Oh, so that's okay. why like XCOM was the the main kind of source of reference to uh, to get going. With XCOM, um, you know how you have like all these random events of like aliens that are uh, attacking different locations, or let, let's take XCOM two as a specific one. Yeah. You have like you know your skirmishes where it's just kind of like procedurally generated based on like your current technology and the aliens' current tech and all that stuff. Same exact thing with uh, with Solar Warden, where you have the aliens that are coming in, and they're coming in with a uh, higher intensity of, of aliens, either more of them or stronger aliens or even different aliens. Uh, we, we announced the idea, we, well, we announced them, we haven't shown them yet, the, the chrysalid. They're actually going to be crystalline entities uh, further than the silicoid that oh, you're going to have to fight. Yeah. So there's going to be different types of aliens that are going to be coming out. Uh, and, uh, the, so the idea with the, the crystalline entities is they're, they're, uh, a response to more of the energy weapons that you develop with your technology. So they'll actually be more resi- uh, resilient and resistant to anything that you're actually shooting at them in terms of energy. So you'll have to make sure that you keep a lot of like your older tech, your ballistic style, or even like your rail guns, anything to actually really help shatter them as well. Um, so at, at some point oh. you have like little, little gray guys. <laughs> so the grays the grays themselves will have a cameo but i'm not telling you where okay that's, oh, that's, that's gonna be and, that's and gonna be a part so what about nibiru is it gonna like come back <laughs> like that's, N- that's the end of bosses Planet, yeah, yeah but, so yeah. basically so basically the campaign has you as the solar warden force protecting the orbit around earth and you could mm-hmm. do you have individual pilots for the ships or are the ships more like each, uh, yes, each ship you is, will, okay. So, so here, uh, well, we actually did uh, talk about this before in, in, um, in another Q&A session. We, uh, we actually have, so the core concept with Solar Warden is the whole idea of telepresence, right? Where you're able to swap uh, uh, at, a, at an instant, being able to swap from your RTS view to direct control of the ship. Right. The lore behind that actually is the telepresence itself is not just a remote control. You are actually uh, utilizing some high-end technology that the, the Solar Warden did develop. It was actually this uh, brain jacking technology where you're actually taking control of somebody's consciousness. Oh my so God. you're able to do that directly onto uh, the pilots of your vessel. So the idea with this as well is over time, a lot of these pilots don't, don't appreciate you doing this. So they actually look at, uh, going AWOL and over time you're, you're, you're tracing down the steps of, um, in your inner campaign, uh, the original, um, uh, captain that actually introduced you into solo Warren and, and was like, you know, your tutorial teacher. He was the one that actually went AWOL and he formed his own faction called the Aegis of Terra. And they're the <laughs> ones actually going to be counter uh uh flying against you in what? orbit and also trying to take you out can, Furthermore, can his name please be joe mcmonagle 
<laughs> so, so wait, you're not only fighting aliens, you're fighting other you're humans? You're fighting other humans as well, because also... You mean, aliens, with, um, you mean the aliens didn't bring us all together? It was the United <laughs> Enemy? Like so much science, fi- like so much science they, fiction? Well, they tried disco music, and it did not work. So then... Isn't disco dead? You know, ABBA is about that's, to release some new songs. That's what they want songs. you to think. Maybe, maybe I just aged. ABBA like, is about to no, release no, some no, new music. <laughs> I'm just saying. They want you to think. <laughs> disco goes dead. on. Disco but never secretly, dies. Secretly underground. Right. Disco is alive. But uh, so the Aegis of Terra are actually also. So with Solar Warden, you're actually funded by, similar to XCOM, like a, a joint uh, kind of force of a whole bunch of different um, first world countries are helping fund you. But right. as your campaign goes on, uh, if if and when, because it, it will happen, you will lose out on different countries uh, that because you didn't actually defend them against like meteors or uh, you performed missions for a, a rival country and you know they didn't like what you did, so they uh, withdrew their support. They are going to then fund the Aegis of Terra against oh, you. Oh man, well. that's great. So, so are the are everything's the going to go against you at the, ages, at the end of the day. Uh, are they based out of Prump, Nevada? <laughs> major Major General Arthur Bell is leader. Uh, of no, the- that sounds great. I love I love games that have like a meta game like that. So mm-hmm. so you you have the politics and stuff. That's great. That yes, great. exactly. Uh, speaking of the politics, that's uh, where the contracts come into play. So you'll be uh, like, of course, you know, um, developing your your technology, but you're also going to be uh, performing different tasks for different countries. Let's say, you know, China wants to uh, capture an asteroid so that they can actually send up um, their own kind of vessels to go and actually uh, mine it. So you actually wanted to place that that uh, you know meteor above their their particular location that they asked for, right? Maybe it's over India or something, and you know India doesn't like you doing that. So if you uh, su- uh, are successful on this mission, of course China is going to pay you for it. But India might actually go really really far down in terms of uh, any sort of affinity that they would have to your to your project. So do the other countries also have their secret space fleets, or Solar Warden is like a global effort? Solar Warden is is a global effort. Uh since the 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 backstory behind it um as as some of you probably know at least uh from the conspiracy side the original uh strategic defense initiative was uh like Ronald Reagan's kind of project where he was like developing that Star Wars program uh and actually like putting weapons in outer space. Uh so the idea was after um uh after Reagan's presidency and then eventually went on to, to Clinton, then they like all those countries like signed that. Um, uh, what was that uh, treaty? Uh, there was a treaty signed that they would actually, they wouldn't actually put anything in outer space to, right. um, to weaponize uh, space. But in solar Warden's, uh backstory, that uh, uh, strategic defense initiative actually ended up being a black project and started doing all of its own things instead. Until eventually that actually got cut in terms of funding, but they had all this technology and all these um, resources in outer space anyway, that they just seceded and just created their own kind of faction in outer space. And years later, when these meteors started coming in, Earth was pretty much defenseless. There was only, you know, JAXA and the European Space Agency, a little bit of NASA and, 
maybe, you know, privatization of Tesla, but I can't name any of those specifically. So all those guy, all of those uh, uh, space organizations and also the countries um, reached out to the secretly to the solar warden uh, faction that's in outer space and said, Hey, we will fund you guys and uh, provide you some infrastructure support and send all this stuff in uh, up from the, the surface of the planet. If you guys would help us defend the actual planet itself and stop, uh, you know, the meteors from coming in. And so you use that money to recruit pilots, improve your ships. Exactly. But there's exactly. also, you, there's also research, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And what, what are, Sorry. You would think like if there's giant meteors coming and you were the only means of defense that your budget would get really good really fast, right? Yes. So, so that's the that's uh that's another fun stage of the of the metagame as well. And that kind of ties into into research and I'll and I'll tell you why. With um in at the start of your campaign, you have the funding and the backing of all these different countries. So as long as you keep these uh, cities, these major cities actually up, up and alive, uh, then you actually are able to maintain a lot of that funding. But since your, uh, your project is wanting to remain secretive, your research and technology and the progress toward that is actually not going to progress very, very quickly. So you'll end up in your campaign will, where ideally you would actually want to, uh, purchase a lot of uh uh a lot of this technology uh first off with all the funds that you actually currently have and then after uh and eventually this will happen in terms of the uh, in terms of your campaign where Jonathan Marcus himself as as the character uh he's actually looking to expose the solar warden project right but you don't want to necessarily be found out quite yet because as soon as that actually happens, where there's that full disclosure and, and Earth finally realizes what's going what's going on and there's actually aliens and there's uh, stuff that's going on, there's going to be riots in the streets. There's going to be all sorts of chaos that's happening. And then all of a sudden that switches over where you lose out on pretty much half or down to a quarter of your funding. But since you are now a public entity, you can now publicly recruit more and more researchers and, and be able to outsource a lot of this stuff to other countries and quickly uh, uh, get up to speed with any new technology that's far more readily available to you. So the, the RTS part of this, other than where, where are my troops at, right? I've got mm-hmm. ships here. I got ships there, but is there like a base building part of this as well? Like you, you have to, con- cause yes, it, this puts me in mind. Of, uh, base building and that's uh, relative to stations and also satellites that you'll be able to de- to deploy in different locations okay because it puts so, me in mind a little bit of like the 1998 reboot of battle zone i mean the game yeah. plays nothing like it but it's still, <laughs> well yeah i know it, what you're talking here's about. the secret war that we had with the russians on the moon that mm-hmm. no one knows about right and uh yeah i i don't know i'm i'm, I'm if you called this game asteroids you know and said yeah this is the reboot of asteroids i'd be like yeah i'm down with that shooting but but as far as the as far as the management thing because like battletech just came out this week and Mm -hmm. that's got like really strong base management stuff so you have to worry about your economics and you and you're talking about the funding stuff so for sure do you spend money on all sorts of things uh well first of all i i gotta find time to to play battletech it looks so so much fun um but in terms of base building and and anything in terms of what you're purchasing 
uh, everything from, you know, fighters to uh, uh, relay satellites, um, sensor suites, uh, orbital platforms where you can actually modularly uh, fit different things. So you can actually have ammo depots uh, since there will be uh, limited ammo uh, for your ships that you'll actually need to make sure to maintain. Um, so things like missiles, uh, nukes, all those things. Um, we'll have uh, dry docks as well for the larger vessels like corvettes and frigates. Uh, and then also different uh, fighter launch base. And that way they can go back and go and actually repair. And um, also on the planet surface itself, this also ties into the amount of exposure. Um, you can actually set up uh, missile silos on the planet. If you're good enough with like certain countries, like, you know, maybe United States or Russia or whatever, uh, you can actually look at building missile silos on those uh, uh, sections of the planet, too. So if you actually see like uh, some of the meteors that are coming in uh, on one side, then you can actually choose to launch those those nukes up into space. But of course, that that'll be seen by, you know the world (laughs) so tread carefully with that and then as technology advances you'll actually have like a lot more things available to you so you'll have like uh ground batteries uh uh, that'll actually like shoot up like uh like giant ion cannons or rail guns up into space and laser cannons and then even uh developing energy shields as well and then you can uh put that on assortments of like your craft and all these different things all over the place um but yeah uh, on top of that, you'll actually have um, additional base building because you will be eventually leaving Earth's orbit and uh, you'll actually have to fight around mid-game. You'll actually uh, discover um, uh, some of the aliens have actually established an, a, col- a colony on the moon and you'll actually need to establish your own foothold on the moon and fight them there. Do you fight the Nazis on the moon too? <laughs> <laughs> now, when you're, uh, when you're in the... Dealing with the moon, do you have to jump back and forth between the moon and Earth? Yes, you can. Uh, oh, so the idea geez. was before. <laughs> so before um, you actually develop your wormhole technology to be able to, then that'll actually take you way further out uh, from the moon. You'll actually go into asteroid belt, and then end game will be the Jovian system. Um, the moon, you'll be able to traverse to it. Um, so I limit the play area uh, via the. Um, the mag drive and the mag drive is all about the um, magnetosphere of the planet because it's reflecting all of the major radiation from the sun that's coming in. And when you're actually viewing the mag drive, I don't actually have it on the PDI visuals and that'll be the next step that I actually plug in. But with the moon's phase, right. As it actually goes around and behind the planet, it like, so it's behind the planet. So the planet or the earth is actually between the moon and uh, the sun, the magnetosphere actually wraps all the way around so that it actually covers the moon as well. So you can use your mag drive to be able to traverse to the moon. So you need to make sure that you're actually within phase to actually traverse back and forth to the planet, to the moon. Otherwise, you'll be exposed to all that radiation and and die. Oh, geez. That sounds like science. (laughs) Science in a sci-fi game? So when... Are there certain times where, like, you're working on the moon and you can't go back to Earth because yes. it, you're out? Oh, mm-hmm. so is there a way to, like, hire someone at Earth to take control of its defenses <laughs> while you're on the moon? Well, that's example? where co-op comes into play, right? Oh. I mean, you can you can have co-op where somebody still manages all the stuff that's still happening on the planet. And, but what, uh, what if I don't have... Be out and- 
What if I have no friends? What if I have nobody <laughs> at all? To well, then play you with? have to leave it up to the AI and and leave it up to the defenses. You can swap back and forth uh, right away if you have the uh, the relays, the actual like telepresence relays, so like the the waypoint oh, satellites. Oh, okay. And you can actually uh, because if the aliens and the aliens will pick up on this on different different tactics that you're actually doing, uh, and if you're actually defending a lot of these uh, waypoint satellites that are your communication satellites, they'll try to wipe those out. So you can't actually uh telepresence to that location anymore oh wow and then then you're screwed (laughs) so there's a there's a lot of elements to this that's that's great so let's talk about co-op because we around here love co-op how many uh how many players can a campaign handle at one time oh my god really yeah is it drop in drop out or for 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 four now, we have it so that we have uh, um, uh, one person running the server, okay. and we want to be able to have drop in, drop out. Like okay. it's not solid yet. Like right. multiplayer is a pain in the ass to. Of course to it for. is. Of course it is. But uh, yeah. the idea is everybody has the uh, PDI control, so they act as a commander. And as the server himself, he can he determines what happens. You know, with the campaign in terms of saves or where they're at or who gets permissions for what. So if you want, like by default, we're probably going to set it up. So like uh, we assume, you know, you as, as the, the, the host or the server, you can bring on people and you'll, you'll allow them to do whatever they want in your campaign. So you have like whatever control you have right now in single player, they will have the same kind of control as well. So it's like, if you've ever played Starcraft where it is that co-op set up on the first spawn, it's that same, same deal where they have control of the exact same units as you do. And then you just work together to overcome whatever objective it it is. Okay. And so like if I started a campaign single player and then one day I wanted to bring in my three co-hosts for that, could you do that? Could you have Mm -hmm. a mix? Oh, yeah. Oh, but then like if they left, could I continue that campaign in single player? Totally. Oh, it's very, very much like you know, uh, back in the day, like Neverwinter Nights. You had the same, same kind of, same kind of deal. So whoever's hosting owns the campaign. Correct. Correct. Oh. That's exactly right. So if you wanted to, you could also like send somebody a save file, and then they can launch it from there, and then you know they own that 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 campaign from there. I think I know. So what wherever you are currently in your in your campaign, yeah, that's uh, that's where your 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 save will end up. Spaz, I think you know, I know the, what we'll be playing the, after the only- Borderlands too. <laughs> in a few years, the only, years the only other game this puts me in mind of is Iron Sky oh, never yeah. actually played Iron Sky Yeah, Iron it's, Sky uh, Invasion interesting. is actually really really great it's it's kind of like Star Raiders where you're jumping around the map and and um, and dealing with threats as they come it's actually even better than the movie like it's a really shockingly good game. <laughs> it's more and, fun than it has any right to be. It really does. <laughs> is it based on the movie? Yeah, yes. yeah, it's based on the movie, but oh, that's it's hilarious. It's a little bit different. And it's your ba- ship, because because it, it's a secret space thing, right? So your ship is a space shuttle, but then the the nose of it opens up, and there's like a giant gun in there. That's and amazing. Oh, I need to play oh, this right ridiculous. now. <laughs> I'd say get it yeah, on sale. Get it on sale. It goes on sale pretty frequently, and it has DLC where you can play as the Germans. 
uh, as well. That's amazing. So uh, <laughs> the Germans, yeah, the Germans. So yeah, it's definitely oh, worth picking up. On, yeah, it's definitely worth picking up on sale. <laughs> so right. yeah, put it put it on your wish list. Keep track of it and get it when it's a few bucks. It is def. I don't know if I can suggest it at full price, but on sale, absolutely, no freaking question. So um, right. so basically, we have this. This awesome sounding campaign. Are there other ways to play this game? If you don't want to play the campaign, are there skirmishes we can make or like? Well, okay, we can uh, we can talk about that right now. Is we we are huge fans of PvP, as you can tell from MechWarrior Living Legends, and sure. it's not escaped us. Uh, so if we're developing all this, you know, multiplayer technology for co-op, I mean, is it really a stretch to Go into PvP, you know, and considering you have Aegis of Terra as uh, an opposing faction to the Solar Warden, I think that kind of makes sense, don't you? Sure. Yeah. I, I, I would also I would also love to play an alien that's stuck inside an asteroid until the very last second. <laughs> yeah. Can I can I be the cave? I, I, from Star I would Wars? I, I would that's really. <laughs> we have no current plans for that, but you know, oh. the, the future DLC is is an open book at the moment. <laughs> Fair enough. That that is pretty great. So so it sounds like there are a lot of options now. Let's talk about the the ships you can actually control. Uh, sure. There are there are fighters and there are capital ships. Um, well, capital ships is kind of a stretch. Uh, you can think of they, in, in terms are, of are they big fighters? Think, Basically, somewhere in between. I, I would okay. I would rate them on on a level of like you know smaller than a destroyer. So you have frigates and corvettes, uh, and we we did this kind of on purpose for for two reasons. One, large capital ships are uh, a huge amount of time sink in order to create them mm. and create them nicely and properly and, sure. and develop everything for them <laughs> uh, for one. Um, but I mean, you know, DLC is a thing. Expansion packs are a thing. They might come in, in future patches. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But, uh, and the second thing was also for uh, lore purposes, because, you know, imagine, because the the game is actually uh, only set, you know, a f- decades from now. Do you really suspect that we would have giant capital ships already f- uh, floating in outer space? I don't well, know. A few, actually, a few, a few decades ago, I wouldn't. <laughs> a few decades ago, I don't think I would have suspected we'd have these small black uh, tablets that are only a few inches wide that hold the sum of human knowledge wherever we go. So who knows? I mean, that's just kind of where that goes. Yeah. Uh, we, oh, <laughs> fair, we, have a fair qu- point. we have a question from Twitch. Uh, we'll get back to the ships in a second. Can you prioritize asteroids over enemy units as an AI option? Yes. So we'll, we'll set up actually some fleet commands for that. So then that way there's uh, prioritizations or specific fleet mm. movements. Because we are noticing as well, especially with... Um, like the Tempest Bombers or the Helios Corvette, uh, with those things actually having like really, really awesome, uh, or even um, the Hyperion with the giant railgun that's uh, uh, fixed forward. You don't want to have those guys engage directly like in combat as well, right? So you want to actually have right. them kind of hang back. So we're going to have like uh, specific fleet commands where you can either like prioritize targets of either have the fighters engage the the actual aliens while... 
um, the actual like larger vessels or even the bombers like go after specifically the meteors first. So yeah, we'll have all of that uh, availability. We're going to be working on more of the AI and fine tuning them. Right now, they're they're specifically set up so that you know they're they're uh, on a very basic kind of aggro system. So if like right. things are attacking you or attacking like some vessels around you, then they prioritize to the aliens first, uh, and then they turn around and go back to the asteroids and so on and so forth. But yeah, now- we'll uh, we'll we'll definitely have that set. Now that that brings up a question: What if someone doesn't want to fly a ship at all? Like, what if they want to play this as entirely an RTS? Are That's they st- totally possible. Um, mega meteors are going to be kind of a kind of a problem for you, <laughs> oh, okay? <laughs> because uh, with mega meteors, they're extinction level event meteors. Oh boy! You have to take them out, otherwise Earth is done. Um, the only way that you'll be able to take them out without being a fighter and without being you know descent style going in and taking a nuke to the core of the uh in, wait, inside of wait, the meteor wait what <laughs> that's a thing that is a thing that's that oh thing. oh my god okay that's awesome please continue though yeah oh sorry okay don't want to close <laughs> my eyes that's exactly right <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you can, uh, hundred percent. There's, there's been actually a ton of people that have said, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm not really interested in the, in the, uh, space flight of it. And that's totally fine. We're like, we're fans of both RTS as well as, uh, space sim games ourselves. Like I love command and conquer Starcraft, you name it. Uh, and I would love to be able to, uh, play through solar warden just as commander. Right. And we will probably set up like Steam achievements for that. Like, n- <laughs> have have a Steam achievement like the general n- never step foot in a in a fighter, <laughs> um, plane or whatever. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, you'll, or you'll maybe need beyond the tutorial. You know, the tutorial has you do it, but then yes, uh, for that exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Semantics aside, um, but yeah, we, we want to be able to have um, so like larger weapons will need to be able to 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 take out. Uh, the mega meteor. So hopefully you actually have, you know, uh, Hyperions or, you know, giant orbital cannons that can actually target those um, mega meteors and blow them up for you so that you don't have to step foot in a, in a, in a fighter That's cool. and deal with that. So, ba- so back to the ships, what kind, Oh, we do have a, a thing, a question from Twitch first <laughs> again, same guy tickles, sure. tickles too. Uh, he's curious about a first person cockpit mode. Is that going to be an option? Or are we in third person the whole time? Right now we are in third person, but we've had, well, this is where I'll, I'll start talking about it. We are, uh, announcing, uh, our stretch goals for the, uh, like the first couple stretch goals that we wanted to include. Mm. The first one is going to be first person cockpits. There you go. We'll, we'll make like a formal announcement with that. Um, awesome. probably either tomorrow or, or Thursday. And we'll, we'll make, uh, we'll put that up on, on Kickstarter. So we already had the, the concept of one of the cockpits in there. Uh, but if we can get past our funding, we can totally look at, you know, hiring on some 3d artists to help us make the inclusive cockpits. And you guys have seen it like, of course, in their rough format, we had inclusive cockpits in MWL, but we want to make it for solar warden far better than that. We want to have all those individual displays actually doing something. We don't want to have, you know, just like just pictures of images and then just have a HUD in front of that. No, like we want to go further than that. 
And then that opens up like having first person cockpits opens up the door for other like cooler things that we might uh, look at later on, you know, like such as VR or, you know, uh, maybe maybe looking at HOTUS and joystick support. Uh, we are currently already set up for a uh, gamepad controller. So we are looking at having that support. And it's uh, you would think that going to, to joystick and throttle and, and any sort of DirectX input would be a cinch from that. But no, it's not, which is really unfortunate. So we'll have to dedicate some yeah. resources to make that happen. Ahodas uh, also well. Ahodas also works better with first person. Anyway, for sure, exactly, yeah, and that's no that's why we wanted to have first person cockpits as our first stretch goal. Now, what are the different kind of ships you can fly? You did mention, I believe, uh, destroyers and frigates earlier. But what about the fighters? Do you have like fighters, bombers, interceptors, that kind of thing? Exactly. Like, what is right your ro- have- what is your roster of, of <laughs> ships, basically? So, so our current roster, we are expanding on our roster. We have a few other designs that are that are in play right now that we haven't uh, quite announced yet. Uh, but right now, I can actually walk through you or walk through some of the ones that we do have. Uh, so we have ranges from uh, light fighter craft, the uh, Icarus, which is actually kind of our our staple ship that we have. The one that kind of looks like the um, uh, what's that fighter from uh, Battlestar Galactica? Was it the, the Viper? Viper? The Viper. Yeah. So it looks very similar to a Viper, actually. We noticed that after the fact, and we're like, oh, well, okay, whatever, that works. <laughs> Uh, we have a lighter, a lighter, er, er, lighter fighter than uh, than the Icarus. Uh, that's actually called the Offspray. It hasn't been uh, revealed yet, but we'll we'll be showing that soon. Um, you also have the uh, Tempest Bomber uh, that you uh, have seen a few times, probably in this in this live stream. Uh, it can hold. Uh, uh, it's one of the the early bombers that can actually hold like the nuclear missiles that you'll be able to actually launch and. Uh, wipe out like a bunch of meteors all at the same time or you know a bunch of aliens if you if you hit them as well and they can also hold uh, later torpedoes as well uh we also have the heavy fighter currently it is the hurricane uh this guy by default has uh large mounted fixed weapons on it so it can actually hold like uh four rail guns on it oh geez and that's that's kind of the the counter to uh the the bomber tempest uh, where it can actually mount more, it's more of a gun gunship than it is like a bomber. Uh, so it can actually like quickly take out like other aliens. That would, that would be one of the ships that you really want to have fighting against like the bigger grubs or even the, the, the silicoid worm as well. Um, further to that, we also have, you know, uh, the Corvettes, the, the two that are currently in game now that we have is the, uh, Helios Corvette. And also the Hyperion, the Hyperion I mentioned before that actually has the, the naval, uh, uh, fixed mount railgun. That, that one actually is like a, uh, massive cannon that can actually break apart the mega meteors. Uh, and the Helios Corvette is, uh, pretty omni where it can actually mount like a whole bunch of different things on it. Uh, so you can set that up as like either like a fighter support vessel or just like a complete gunship if you want. It's kind of versatile. So it can, it can, pretty much do you know a lot of other things with the uh corvettes of course you know they're they're slower in terms of their their turn rate and that's where the uh turret mode really comes into play where uh, you've probably seen it on the stream already uh where you can actually switch between um this the front view the kind of main uh stock view and then also uh uh aim around from this turret mode where from third person 
you aim around 360 all around your ship. And then wherever your crosshair is facing, if any of your turrets are able to achieve that aim arc, they will shoot in that direction. Very much like Freelancer. Or, I was going to uh, say, that, uh, is, that is so Freelancer. That is so... Exactly. <laughs> also, so we, Star, uh, we also took Star inspiration Point, from... Yeah. Yeah, also Starpoint Gemini, but very freelancer. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Which no exactly. problem no problems with that. I mean more more yeah, games that copy cares. Freelancer. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm fine with that. We we love Freelancer, dude. Freelancer was was uh, among yeah. one of our favorite titles. Hell and yeah. that was uh one of the, the first kind of staging points where we where we decided to to take this game. Uh, at least from the starting point. <laughs> now, let me ask you a random question because you were talking about this kind of brain thing that you do to take over other ships. Mm-hmm. Have you ever played? Have you ever played Driver San Francisco? I have not. You should because that game basically lets you do that. That that very oh, that's thing. awesome. Yeah, basically you're in a coma, and you get to quantum leap from one car to another, and you take over the driver of that car. <laughs> and, when, and whenever sweet. and whenever you jump into that car, you might be in the middle of a conversation with a passenger. And oh, that's hilarious! It can be the funniest goddamn thing. Like, <laughs> especially if you start driving super crazy, and they're like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" <laughs> it's oh, great. exactly. It's great. Uh, we we were thinking it was more. Um, uh, oh, what was what was the bad guy's name from Mass Effect Two? The 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 guy that was saying like I am assuming control. I don't know. I didn't play Mass Effect two. Oh, somebody help me out here. He was uh yeah, was the, one of the main bad guys. Yeah, it was the I can't think of the name of it now. But yes, it was <laughs> it was like a like a a religious sounding name. Right, and he controlled like these these um uh, kind of weird. Uh, were they Prothean bugs? I yeah, they were. Remember. They were like bug dudes, right? Yeah. But it, his his catchphrase was "I am assuming direct control," and then he would take control of like one of the one of the peons, and then they would get like supercharged with like a bunch of shields and everything. So we were thinking it was very similar to that. So then that way you're actually like assuming direct well, control of whoever's the the fighter inside of it. <laughs> it wasn't the Reapers. Uh, you talking about the Collectors? Yes, yeah, the, the Collectors. That's their name. I had a brain fart there. Yes, totally. The collectors. Okay. Should have known. Was, uh, now, did I you work on Mass Effect two or just one? Just one. Oh man, I'm sorry. Two. I, oh, two, I, I know. My favorite. Oh, two two way, was my favorite as well. It's the Praetorian. Was the the name of the army? Yeah, the guy that took over. The, okay, that's that's it. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was like Praetorian, but he he managed the collectors, and he was working for. Uh, uh, the Reapers. But the human Reaper at the end, that end boss was just, that was dumb. Yeah, anyway. Was, <laughs> it, it was like suddenly I was in a Terminator arcade game. That was like, <laughs> shoot, like, shoot the red spot for yeah, double it's damage. Like, it's one of those light gun games, right? It's Yeah. Exactly. The rest of the game redeemed that, though. Yeah, I mean, you can't really blame it for that. I mean, if that's the only thing you have to say about it that's negative, that's probably... Well, it's like Half-Life. You just quit before you go into Zen. (laughs) I won. Well, what what was it? I was going to say, it's better than uh, Halo 4, like boss fight. Literally, the entire game is this challenging fight up to the boss fight, and you get to the boss fight, and you like throw 
like 15 rounds into them, and then it was press A to win. What? I think they were trying to design a boss fight for him for Halo 4, but I think they ran out of time. Because even the last level where they're, you know, the, the whole, uh, uh, what was it, the fighter going through, like, the trench run at the end, that, that whole area just looked like gray box or white box. Yeah, a little a, bit. A lot of it looked like untextured assets, and maybe they just, you know, slapped, like, a generic gray on it. Because when I was flying through it, I was like, I can't tell where I'm going because everything is gray. <laughs> I wish I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> Halo, Halo Four, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I've, I've only I only ever played the first Halo on a friend's Xbox. That's the only and one the I've original, ever not to tangent, but the the original trilogy was just some really great. great we tangent story all the comments. time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we tangent all the time. Well, I, the, the only point I was trying to make though was is like no no offense to three four three, but like. What Bungie did with the first three games and then the two little spinoff games were were pretty stellar. Well, according, to, according to Tickles in Twitch, he says Halo Reach is the pinnacle of Halo. Yeah, well, I I mean that's that's pretty debatable. I would say three ODST and Reach are all pretty spectacular. Um, I my personal personal favorite is ODST, but. Um, I think I think three ODST and Reach were like their definitely their pinnacle of what they did, and then Have you mean, noticed- that was all that was all Bungie, and then like three four three made a pretty solid game with four, but then I feel like they phoned it in for the last like four missions. So do you notice that it seems like everybody's favorite Halo games are the ones that you're not Master Chief? <laughs> I agree, actually, because I loved Halo 2, and I loved playing as the Arbiter. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's not to say that playing Mass Master Chief in 1 through 3 was bad. It was just like they did some really, like, he, he, he's a one-trick pony, right? And so when you when you played through 1 and then you're playing through parts of 2, when you get to play as another character in 2, you're like, well, this is different. You get to play as the, like, the other side, more or less. And then they... They did some pretty cool stuff with three as well, as far as storytelling goes. And then ODST, I, I, it's because it was such a different kind of game in the series that they they released. It wasn't like you're a super soldier, you're um, you're you're a special ops guy, but like you're human, not super soldier. Right, you're you're a lot more frail. Yeah, so going up against, you know, brutes and going up against hunters are pretty pretty challenging. Well, that's kind of the master chief problem, right? It's like he can get killed, but he's got that shield that recharges and stuff and and it's like if you're careful and you know when to get out of the line of fire, you can you can do all right. But if you're playing as like a human guy, well, you get shot and you're having a bad day. So, or did, did the guy in terms of the uh the 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 actual gameplay side of that thing because like I only I only really played um, Halo via Legendary and and went through all all the way through yeah. Reach on Legendary and all of them and really considering Legendary your shield went like popped like a bubble like I felt very much like ODST was just par for the course to be honest <laughs> yeah there 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 is a difference if you're playing on the difficulty there there is you know you don't really notice much of a difference in your life and how you manage it. 
I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, if you're playing as Master Chief on just normal, you get a lot more spongy as you would be if you were a legendary. But, like, in ODST, you're just automatically, like, fragile. <laughs> so it's just like, I, I feel like even, even on normal versus legendary, it's still pretty challenging because you have to, you have to, you can't play the same way as you would if you were Master Chief, in other words. Just because of the style of game that it is, and it's more of a, it's more of like a slow, like almost film noir style game than it is uh, like a Halo game. So Master Chief is really like the next evolution of RoboCop. Discuss. <laughs> well, he's he's very much a different. He's a he's not a he's not a cyborg in the sense that. Well, he can take the suit off, right? Well. Well, te- technically, the 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 Spartans can take that suit off because they were actually like engine, like not engineered, but they were genetically modified. Like they were, you know, taken as children, genetically modified, surgically enhanced, and then you know they they kind of you know they got the Captain America of, juice so that they could wear a the little suit bit, yeah, yeah, a little them. bit. Basically. Well, I think I think that was the deal. Is like the suit would kill a normal person. So. Right, exactly. And so that's the kind of difference with RoboCop, whereas they, they took a almost pretty much dead person and turned him into a cyborg. So, so does Master Chief, like, get out of that suit, take a shower now and then? Apparently like he doesn't. Funk City. Accordingly, okay, according well. to this Tickles fellow, he's lived in it for six decades. Well, <laughs> that's what you he gotta, says. You gotta get, like, really bad crotch rot or something There's, going there, on. At like, the end if of, you even have a crotch of, anymore. If you even have a same underwear for at six the end of four, years, at the end of four, he decades. presumably takes it off and then he puts it back on again. But like, oh. it's doing like a final cutscene thing, like they're doing maintenance on his suit. So, do you but think, like, do you pretty think much Master once they got in the shoots, they were pretty much good to go. Do you think Master <laughs> Chief is a boxers or briefs kind of guy? I was gonna say boxer Space briefs, Commando. Was, was Space say, Commando. They're they're floating weightless. I still I, I still wish Bungie did more than two myth games. That's all I'm gonna say about Bungie. I wish they did more than two myth games. <laughs> they did. They did. They continued it on with it. No, they only did two. Well, there myth, was, well, myth there three was three, not theirs. That was, a, that was yeah, not that Bungie. Was, um, that was that somebody was else. Jumbo. Yeah. I was making a joke. Not the same. Um so yeah, back to the game. We were talking really about your four-player co-op, right? And that's like, yeah. and you'd mentioned uh, the new MechWarrior 5 that's coming. And that's that's my right. thing for Mech 5, right? Is I'm looking at like, okay, four-player co-op. That's going to be oh, cool. Oh yeah, that's right. They announced that. I, I read that on Twitter somewhere. I can't remember. Yeah. No, was it you or your brother? Or so One of you guys worked for PGI for a little bit. No. No, no, we didn't. Oh, okay. Neither of us worked for PGI. No, we we uh, we talked to PGI actually with uh, since my brother and I both worked at Crytek uh, for a time. Um, he was actually in engine licensing, so he actually convinced uh, PGI to build MechWare Online in the CryEngine. <laughs> oh, so now we have a point of blame. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. Thanks, thanks so- for outing him. So what are some of the things, getting back to Solar Warden, what are some of the things you can research? You've, we've talked about orbital platforms. We've talked about ion cannons. But can you do, like, I think uh, Tickles brought it up, where can you, like, expand the size of your radar around Earth, you know, that sort of thing? Like, what are some of the thing? what are some of the toys you can research 
in the game. Yeah. So, well, it was um, uh, all sorts of different things. So if we wanted to talk specifically about like your sensor suites, we, we have like a whole, uh, so the way that we wanted to have research done was to have um, like bit, a contract bidding wars. So if you were actually developing a particular uh, technology, let's, let's take, let's take the, the sensor suite, for example. Um, one of the, the, uh, one of the actual, um, real life, uh, uh, kind of satellites that I think it was either, uh, um, ESO or one of the European space agencies, they actually wanted to develop a, um, uh, satellite called the Sentinel where they would actually deploy this thing. Uh, ever since the Chelyabinsk, uh, meteor that actually occurred, they wanted to actually deploy, uh, this particular satellite um, in one of the Lorange points that would actually be uh, toward the sun. So in that way, they could actually look back toward Earth so that it would actually stop any of the sun glare that would actually be occurring because how the Chelyabinsk meteor came in was uh, from where the sun was actually glaring into the uh, uh, ground telescopes. So some of these uh, uh, satellites that you actually develop for like your sensor suites or anything for early detection uh, setup uh, or any of your research in general, you would actually be uh, bidding against uh, some of the other partnered uh, countries that you would have. So maybe like the United States would have their version of like a, a whole sensor suite, which would give you a kind of passive bonus where it would actually have maybe like a refresh um, uh, where it would actually scan over, you know, uh, more periods of time, or you would have a Japanese version, which would actually extend its range by however many, you know, uh, millions of kilometers. Uh, and then also maybe like a Russian one would have its own one where it would actually be uh, more of a reinforced kind of satellite so that it could actually like withstand more alien attack. So each one of these that you're actually developing and these, these passives that actually happen uh, will change in the campaign, almost kind of like a, a random chance. Uh, but they'll be situated uh, specific to whatever country is actually kind of vying for that. So, like, the Russians will obviously uh, want to deal with more, like, bigger, heavier, uh, more robust technology, where maybe, like, the uh, German version of that would be wanting to build anything that's more efficient. So anything that actually deals with more efficiency and less, like, kind of bang for your buck sort of deal. Uh, those specific ones, you could you could develop that technology, but you would associate the... Uh, patent relative to the country that you're actually having that bid for. So as you're doing the research and uh, assigning like researchers uh, and like research points over a period of time, having, you know, funding the money into like the U S to make sure that they discover that patent first, then they'll actually provide that bonus for you for that campaign. Wow. So there are a lot of variables here, like a ton oh, yes. of, of oh, yes. variables. Well, well, because what the reason why is we wanted to have very similar to XCOM where we had a replayable campaign uh, because we didn't want to, since it is very earth centric, especially in the first half of the game, we didn't want to have, you know, that, that play fatigue. So we wanted to mix it up on a whole bunch of different variables in order for you to really be like, oh man, you know, I played this game uh, really awesomely and I did like a lot of the, the fighter combat, but maybe this play around, I would actually uh, go again, but be a general and specifically like help out, you know, China and Russia and that's it. <laughs> so in that way you can replay it over and over again with, with a whole bunch of different variables the next time you go through. That is, that is pretty great. <laughs> so can you... No, 
No, good, 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 Spence. No, after you. Okay, I was going to ask, in regards to the ships that you're building, if you're contracting, say, one of these countries to build for you the ships, would that also affect your passives? Uh, In terms of research? Or, or well, what are you well talking say, about? for example, the equipment that you're putting on it. So, say, for example, you want in a, a mm. very efficient engine, so mm-hmm. maybe you go with a German-built engine type. Or you want something that is uh, a little more robust, so maybe you have the Russians build the hull. Yes, so definitely. We, uh, we were thinking of actually having, like, the affinities related to that. Uh, but, of course, as, as the game progresses, you'll rely less on having Earth-deployed assets because they're very expensive to send up into space. Uh, so that also leads into the campaign, you know, as you uh, uh, are exposed as the Solar Warden eventually in your campaign, you'll lose out on all that funding. So anything that will be launched from the planet will be become extraordinarily expensive for you. So you want to actually avoid doing a lot of that. But yeah, as you're talking about it, if, you know, the the Russians developed, you know, the the armor like a reinforced armor armor to to uh, um, uh, be built on your ship. And if the Russians are actually building this stuff, then yes, they will all already have uh, the know how of actually um, uh, making that uh, like that ship actually um, and anything that's actually related to that will make that manufacturing of that ship faster. So like whatever percentage that would be, like ten percent or twenty percent, depending on how much they've actually contributed to that, right? So if it's mainly like Russian um, uh, Russian technology, for example, then yeah, that percentage would make that ship be constructed that much faster on the planet, but then it has to also be sent up into space for you. So and this is going, going, I was just going to say, going further into that for like uh, constructions in space, you know, we'll also be able to have the, the ability for asteroid mining, and then eventually you'll also have one of the more uh, further to end end game missions of constructing a space elevator. Oh man. So my question I was, was just figuring you just uh, shipyard build a shipyard <laughs> out there. Yeah, you totally can. That's the dry docks. Uh, that's well, available uh, on game start. Well, my question, it was, does that affect the metagame at all? Like say you have the United States build all your stuff. Does that make them, uh, happier toward sure, you. Sure, but if you and- lose out on the United States, or you know, if you do any everything just for the United States, all the other uh, uh, all the other countries will start, you know, stop funding you, and you'll you'll yeah. kind of paint yourself into a corner. Good, that's where I was so going. To, that's what I was you hoping. Have you have <laughs> you to can spend try it in it's, the countries it's, that are funding you to keep their military industrial complex flowing. Exactly. It's like they give you money, but then you give them money and vice versa. Oh, that's, that's pretty – wow. Now, say someone doesn't want to do any of that. Say someone doesn't like that kind of <laughs> metagame. Is there like any kind of AI you can set to do that kind of more managerial stuff while you just go shoot stuff? That I'm not saying that's me, but I'm saying does the, game, does the player have that option? I mean it's fine Basically, if they don't. you're saying you don't want to play the campaign? Basically, I'm saying I just want to like <laughs> – what about like, like instant action arcade mode? Like get get out. Yeah, there and maybe start something like shit. that. Yeah, something like well, that. This is uh, something that um, maybe I I don't know if I should say on this on the stream, but we're actually working on something like that, and oh, we're okay. going to be providing something uh, an announcement very soon about that. I was just getting at like maybe you have an AI take control of the 
managerial money stuff, and then it just tells you where to shoot. So basically. like a campaign AI? No, we didn't have any plans for that. Okay, I mean, um, that's we, fine. We had, we had <laughs> thoughts about that, but you know, maybe we would, like if there's if there's a demand for that, we might look at you know developing for it because one of the main characters we have is uh, uh, one of the the narrative. Um, uh, main characters is General Lanther. He he kind of does like the high level telling you like what's up and what's going on. Uh, since Zenith Station is actually like a, a fixed lo- uh, station that's actually from uh, Game Start, and that's kind of like your uh, uh, main base of operations for sending everybody back. Uh, but eventually, you know, you'll actually build like other stations that are at different locations around the planet, so that you can move like uh your hq wherever you wanted to but the hq doesn't really matter uh it's more so in terms of like where your main um kind of uh base of operations where you physically when you're actually doing your telepresence that's in in lore where you where you physically are before you take control of everything as you're interfacing with everybody um we might i don't know this might be a further thing down the line maybe general lanther could take control of the the army for you uh and then go go from there but we haven't had any like direct plans for that. So this guy tickles in Twitch. He's got a billion questions. <laughs> he's actually <laughs> com- he's actually coming up with great questions. So here's his first question. Awesome. Hit me. Uh, is there going to be a population limit, or is it more limited by the available resources for ships you can build and things like that? Like, we, do you have like a, the idea a command of, like of a command a command point limit type thing that a lot of games do, or something like that? You know what I mean? Well, we haven't gotten to the point of uh, having uh, like hundreds of vessels yet testing. Um, so we're not 100% sure where we're going to be having for that. Of course, we have to set it up so that we LOD the crap out of our ships and making sure that everything runs smoothly when you have a massive army of, of different things. We might have a population cap for your for your ships, depending on arbitrary rules that we set forth, but we haven't established those uh, quite yet. All right, that makes sense. His next question, kind of a statement, kind of a question. He's also sure. con- he's also concerned with issues that you might be able to get to a point where you can quote unquote zergling rush everything, rather than <laughs> properly using hundreds of dozens of units, rather than smart deployment of mixed bag fleets. I guess I guess what he's I guess what he's asking is, uh, do you get to a point where you just tank rush everything? Or Zergling Rush. So, or so, do you have to be more uh, tactical and choosy with your resource, with your units? 100%, you have to be tactical. So um, in terms of that, we, we also call that boating. So uh, if, you're, uh, if you <laughs> guys are familiar with like boating, uh, like lasers for like Mech Warrior or whatever, you're only like running around with like one style of weapon or in, in case of RTS, you know, one style of unit and just like completely uh. Zerg rushing or butt-fucking somebody. <laughs> sorry, I, I swore on the I, I swore on the stream. It's, sorry, it's fine. It's fine. It, it's gonna happen. Uh, it was um no welcome, the aliens the, the 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 aliens themselves will actually have like their own uh, like kind of counter uh, general per se their own AI where they'll be actively trying to disrupt whatever kind of tactic that you're trying right. So if mm. you're saying like for example. Uh, I thought, like, let's say I'm 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 a beginner player for this game, and I uh, jump into uh, the Tempest bombers, and I realize, oh wow, these guys can actually like uh, are, are one of the early bombers that I can equip a bunch of nukes on and just nuke the crap out of these meteor clusters, and I'm done and over with. Great, all right. No, the silicoid are actually going to start deploying active uh, things against those things, so they'll actually be sending like their exploders, their dummy exploder 
uh, um, uh, aliens after you and go and actually destroy those nukes before they even get close to the meteor clusters or any sort of anti-missile capabilities they'll develop themselves on the meteors, on the surface of the meteors there. The meteors themselves will also have like these kind of spore spitters that are actually uh, attached to the surface of the meteors, and they'll actively try to shoot down missiles that are actually coming toward them as well. So anything, anything that you're actually trying to like, you know, set up in terms of a tactic, like may- maybe I want to have like an all laser fleet. Well, you know, you'll actually end up having to fight all these chrysalids that will actually be all highly reflective against all of your energy weapons. So you will be screwed. <laughs> you'll nice. need to make sure that you have a a healthy mix of tactics to be able to take out like anything that they that they throw your way otherwise they'll they'll overrun you uh with uh, a counter to your tactic now that that's great that makes a lot of sense uh it sounds like a lot of work is being put into not only the ai of your own ships but especially your enemy yes of course the the so, individual enemies themselves are not very smart. It's more of the the kind of brain behind them that is is trying to to take you out. So one of the other things he brought up uh, before was about the sound in space that you realistically mm-hmm. have a lack of sound in space. Mm-hmm. So whenever you're in the cockpit of the ship, does it generate like computer? noise for like okay this is what your guns should sound like or <laughs> well we're not we're not going into you know that that realm of like for in terms of realism in terms of sounds in space you know it would be a very boring game without it uh so of course we we have uh like a sense of very similar to Battlestar Galactica where it's more a matter of having everything like on a heavy low pass filter so in that way uh-huh. you can at least hear something uh, oh, but nice. it's it's kind of like heavily drowned out in terms of the in terms of the high range frequencies. So all you're hearing is like a lot of bass uh, when you're actually shooting. And same thing from your PDI as well. So in that way, you have at least something to listen to and and have that uh, sense of immersion with that. Okay, because there was. Do you remember that uh, that game that uh, the 3D Mark guys made years ago, where it was a first person shooter, but you're in space suits in zero G. Mm, it was it was like I'm fractured sure sky. Yeah, or something. I, I, I know what you're talking about. It didn't yeah. take for some reason. It di- it didn't, but it it the sound that it had it was the coolest thing in the game because your suit would actually whenever you'd spawn in you would it's just like hear your guy sounds. Yeah. yeah, you would just hear your guy breathing, and it's like you could touch helmets with a teammate and talk to him. But you know if you that's awesome. your radio, if your radio that's on or great. whatever, um, they they have but, that in uh, the expanse too. If you guys watch that show, oh yeah, yep, great yeah. show. So, but the thing that it did though was your spacesuit. Whenever the spacesuit would finally finish booting up, then it would be like initializing audio processor, and then you would hear the world around you because mm-hmm. the computer was like faking the noise for everything. So you could hear where things were right to give you position sense of, Oh, there's a guy shooting over here. But if you, if you took a hit and it caused your computer to reboot, then you would be back to just listening to yourself like Darth Vader breathe, <laughs> you know, and that's all you got is that's just fun. you huffing in the, in the helmet. And, and then you, the computer would come back up and then all these sound would come back. And yeah, it was, it was really cool how they did that. That's a neat idea. Uh, actually, that leads me into, um, in relevance to that, is the actual silicoid themselves. Um, since they, like, as a creature in outer space, you know, of course, you don't hear any sounds in space. So we were thinking, like, how exactly would you hear any sort of um, 
anything that they would actually be trying to communicate, right? Like if they're if they're trying to, you know, uh, uh, like scream to to another one to help them out or uh, some sort of cry out in pain or whatever, how would they actually be able to do that? So we came. Uh, uh, one of our writers actually came up with the idea where they're uh, since a lot of their their uh, their their ability to remain in space is kind of unknown. And how do they, you know, get themselves around? How is their propulsion is a kind of unknown, but in terms of how they're communicating with each other, we were thinking of actually having them uh, like communicate through like electromagnetic waves. So in that way, they're actually like flooding your radio with uh, particular like weird metal screeching sounds and almost like this weird distortion. So in that oh, way, you geez. can actually hear them in whenever they're kind of in range because uh, then since there's no medium in space for them to you know like project any sort of sound or whatever how would they communicate so we're like why not you know this electromagnetic uh uh kind of receivers for themselves and they would actually be you know maybe moving around their 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 internal organs or whatever and making you know some sort of weird electrostatic noise and they would actually hear each other from that so, and nice. then your radio actually picks that up as well. And so we have, uh, Andrew, our, our resident sound designer is actually developing like a whole, uh, suite of, of different sounds with that. But oh, cool. in essence, it's kind of this weird, heavy, like imagine Almost. like, like, uh, uh, industrial machinery, like scraping Ooh. together is what you hear. That uh, sounds so really they're kind of like electric eels in space, but they communicate exactly. with, their, with their pulses. That sounds really good. Whale song. I like it. And then the probe shows up <laughs> and, Wow. So, and then, uh, oh, never mind. No, because Tickles also wanted to know uh, about the modding possibilities for this game, if any. We we had that question before. Uh, right now, it's not on our scope at the moment. But of course, you know, with Freelancer, uh, what was the Freelancer Discovery, for example, like uh, that that uh, extended the life of the game, of course. So we're we're definitely keeping that in mind in terms of uh, allowing people to mod probably later on after release. But you know, uh, on initial stages of the game, we're we're not thinking of that at the moment. But you know, we'll we're we're heavy into modding ourselves as you guys have played MechWarrior Living Legends, of course. Of course. So we we would love to open that up uh, to the community as we as we get further on. But of course, for now, Solo Warden needs your your support. Help us out on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Now, how far along is the game? Is it pre-alpha? Is it alpha? Like, where would you say it is right now? Right now, we're uh, looking at leaving pre-alpha. We're getting uh, ramped up into production now for the uh, for the campaign. Uh, there's one additional bit that we're actually working on for the Kickstarter campaign, and we want to actually uh, announce that to you guys probably either this weekend or shortly thereafter. Ooh, very exciting. So, well, is there a thing, because I, I haven't read the Kickstarter page yet, but is there a, a thing where, like, if I kickstart the thing, I actually get playable code and I get to help test this at some point, or what? I'm going to say not yet, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, it doesn't well, I mean, look like... It doesn't <laughs> not code yet, or you haven't said it yet? No, 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 no. Uh, so, in terms of, like, a demo, we don't have one yet, dot, dot, dot. I mean, there okay. are pledges that give you alpha access and beta access right, when, they're, so those, when they're yeah. ready. Well, yeah, when, when they're ready. When the alpha yeah. and beta is ready, of course. So what, like from the stream that you guys are seeing, these are some of the raw gameplay footage that I was doing. But there are several bugs that we've like run into, like uh, fleet orders with your mag drive, all that. We want to clean a lot of that up before we 
release any sort of demo to anybody. Uh, but when when we're actually going to be doing that, we want the initial demo for for that to be completely free. So in that way, you guys can uh, play like a stripped down version of what to expect from single player, at least uh, for what the game is going to be. Yeah. So what do you anticipate your your actual, what do you think your actual shipping price will be like 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks shipping? uh, So the actual one that we're going to be releasing on steam is going to be 30 bucks. Uh, So right now on Kickstarter, we have a Kickstarter uh, uh, discount where you can actually get the base game um, with, uh, the the additional bits of the 4K wallpapers that we're going to be creating uh, for 25 bucks. Oh, cool! And and it's coming to the Switch for sixty dollars. Oh. <laughs> don't don't get me don't get me started on that. Don't don't get me Switch, but yeah, don't get me started on that. I'm so there was they're there whipping was a, out they're uh, whipping out stuff that's 15 bucks that you can buy on the Wii, and and then it's like oh, but it's 60 on the on the switch and like, yeah, it's, <laughs> Hey, you know what the well, market will well, bear, right? Nintendo, Nintendo has kind of a stranglehold right now over the, over this, uh, the switch. They, they want the game to be basically done before you even do an application for it, which oh, wow. kind of sucks. Um, Sony and, and Xbox on the other hand, they're, they're a lot easier. Sony is, is still kind of a pain. Um, I shouldn't say that shouldn't go into too much detail. Cause I still want to, look at putting this onto PS4. Uh, but Xbox, actually, Microsoft has been really, really helpful already. And uh, we're actually, uh, they're waiting right now for the next stage when we have more, uh, like 100% controller support for them in order for us to get the go-ahead. Yeah, let's talk controller support. So uh, GamePad, of course, because you just said Xbox, yes. right? So mm-hmm. does that mean that uh, you're having to to learn to live within the constraints of how many buttons is on an Xbox controller kind of thing. I've lived with that ever since uh, crisis two, man. (laughs) I mean, like I'm a mouse and keyboard guy myself, of course. Mm. Uh, But a lot of the stuff that, uh, that we're building is, is being set up so that way we can have a, um, I guess a, an intelligent way of, of accessing sub menus for certain things. But if things that you know you really need like right on the fly, so like your weapons, your countermeasures, etc. Uh, but peripheral things like being able to switch out, you know, um, uh, different weapon groups, that's all going to be through submenus. So th- it's a matter of like organizing those those controls so that way you can access those submenus intelligently um, mm-hmm. from either like a radial menu if we really need to. I know some people hate them, some people love them. Uh, otherwise we'll actually have uh, we're looking at maybe also doing something similar to, I know probably people are going to groan, but uh, very similar to how no man's sky did it with their kind of floating cursor Mm. where you can actually like go in and select certain things, especially on the PDI setup. We figured like from the controller that would probably be the easiest to get going. Otherwise it would be really hard to navigate, you know, a two dimensional menu uh, through individual clicks. Yeah, uh, I, f- I find like radial menus with the with like the the right stick. You know, if you're, if mm-hmm, you're using of it course. For like view and you hold a mod button down and then you got a radial mm-hmm. menu, so you yep, can do I stuff lo- with that real quick. I love radial menus. Yeah, bring them on. The more radial <laughs> menus, the better. Give me give me <laughs> so, la- give me layered get, give me layered radial menus. Give me layered multi oh, multi layer. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, so that would I'm be terrible. With, if I'm if I'm playing with the mouse, I think you're talking about Mass Effect Andromeda. 
Oh, really? Did they do that in that one? Yeah. <laughs> Layered sick, menus. Sick dig, that doesn't sound good, though. I mean, that does that sounds like not good usability. You should only have one layer, one level of a menu like that. They have multiple no, levels. You want to you see the nastiest sub-layered radial menu ever. It was uh, the Dungeons & Dragons uh, Tomb of Horrors or whatever that game was. It was like a, mm. an off D and D game that came out in the very early two thousands, and it and it was all fly out radial menus, and then as you would select things, the it would continue to pop layers out of the thing, and it was like holy crap! I mean, it yeah, took a little, it took a little doing. It was, it was definitely, it, it was like imagine playing Baldur's Gate, but with a multi leveled radial menu. That, that exactly sounds awful. It was. It that was, sounds yeah. really, that sounds really <laughs> terrible. Yeah, yeah, it was a thing. So if I'm playing this with the mouse, um, is it going to be a deal where, like, playing Freelancer or Everspace, yes. you know, like the ship is going to chase the cursor? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Because so we love those games. Like, but it's turreted, right? So it's not like I have to line the nose up. It's only for fixed weapons. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the majority of the weapons are actually going to be turreted. Uh, and then they'll Ooh. have. So, uh, if you're watching the the uh, stream right now or the the video, yeah, because um, I was watching the games track the cursor around, but I didn't I didn't know if that was like all weapons or what. So yeah, yeah. So that's all weapons, unless you. Are, so let me uh, put a fork in the road right here. We can talk about co-op uh, at this point, where we can actually uh, talk also about how uh, there will be um, multi-crewed. Uh, sections of your corvettes and even some of the bombers where you can assign uh, some turrets and some uh, specific um, equipment to different party members or, or different Whoa. players that are associated on your ship. Yeah. That's Actually, that's awesome. uh, something that we're going to be doing. Uh, we're, we're looking at doing a live stream on one uh, our final week, uh, the final weekend with uh, Shavaxi and Fontoman, uh, who are actually going to be doing a, a, a demonstration of that. And we're going to be playing around with uh, PvP where we're going to be, uh, the developers are going to be flying around in fighters, fighting against Fontaman and Shavaxi, uh, doing co-op flight in a Corvette where they're going to be trying to allocate their shields in different locations and also trying to shoot us down while they're trying to get away from us. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. That sounds... So we have that, uh, and then going back to your to your point beforehand was um, very exactly like freelancer, where you're you're aiming your crosshair that also uh, pulls and drags your ship on normal flight. So you're kind of aiming where you're wanting to go on kind of an assisted flight uh, setup. But of course, you also have the availability to uh, toggle off your um, like flyby wire mode. Uh, where you can actually have full Newtonian physics. And this is where our six degrees of freedom comes in, where you have all your uh, maneuvering thrusters able to thrust you in, in any direction at, 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 at will. Uh, and so being able to turn off your fly-by-wire, you can drift in different directions. Uh, oh, a few of those ooh. shots that you probably have seen in the stream, where I'm actually like turning off my engines, uh, turning my ship, around so that way i'm actually drifting backwards and being able to actually line up shots and then shoot at them with my ship uh further to that is also turret mode of course where you can access both drift and fly by wire uh but of of course with the corvettes in turret mode you can actually do uh, what we call plot course where you're looking in a direction 
and then you're telling uh, basically your helmsman, you're say plot course in that direction. So you're just looking in that direction and you say, I want to go in that direction. And then your ship will automatically like try to do fly by wire and then aim in that direction while you're controlling the turrets while you're, while you're playing. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so what- yeah, we wanted to take like the best, the best ideas, you know, from free space, from freelancer, uh, and then even like dreadnought and all these other games that have done a fair good level and then just kind of take it that next step and be like, okay, what else do I want to be able to do in my ship while I'm doing it? Right. When this game is done, um, Mm -hmm. all these things that you have developed for this Mm -hmm. would would translate super well into say a new freelancer or (laughs) another, right. And there's a whole channel full of people that want to talk to you about making a new freelancer for them. That's the freelancer channel. Uh, <laughs> have you have you seen the the freelancer mod scene? Because they yeah, they freelancer server, discovery and yeah, then all like the other mods that are on there. it. And then they built um, syndromes and some of the other guys working on mm-hmm. it. They, they actually built like GM tools into the thing, so they can spawn up an enemy fleet and actually lead it around and mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. and and do events for players and and whatnot. And I'm and I'm just thinking like, man, the what you've built here, you're eighty percent there, right? So, you know, it, it's it's like, hmm, boy, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can just take what you got and then make something else. Because that, <laughs> that's, that's the thing that makes me crazy with, uh, uh, like, different studios do this, right? Well, they'll, they'll make a game, and then instead of making something like, hey, let's take everything that we made there, but we'll we'll put it in a whole different setting, right? But we're still making this game that expands upon what we did. Um but they're they're just like oh, okay we're gonna make a first person shooter next or we're gonna make an RTS or whatever and it, and it's just like they never go back and revisit that and it's and it's just like man there's this whole thing that you built that that could be multi use and it didn't happen so so I hope you guys like continue to iterate on this thing because oh for sure because well, I could we... I could see like Solar Warden too right as as, <laughs> yep. as like a freelancer but humanity has spread through the solar system so that's exactly what, right what was weird in oh I'm onto something huh so um, <laughs> well I mean because, uh, spoilers uh, wait, yeah what? because humanity has spread through <laughs> the solar system, right and did you play Nexus the Jupiter incident no I have not okay so oh, the beginning of that game so amazing. Good. Because it's it's very much like an expanse kind of thing. It's like we Ooh. we don't have faster than light, but we've spread out mm-hmm. throughout the solar system. And in in freelancer, it would be like, oh well, we go to the Detroit system, or we go to the you know the to right. whatever Hamburg system or whatever. And mm-hmm. but they're different planets that are in di- different stars. But what if this was just d- different regions of our own solar system? And then it would make much more sense that all these places are, are like rooted in, in for sure. And it would feel like a lot closer to home rather than, you know, something that's very alien. Like the, the freelancer universe didn't really feel like it had any, any good sense of scale because it was just kind of arbitrary. It was just another solar system with like a a boatload of planets that had just random equipment in it. So it it didn't really feel tangible. Like if it was set in terms of, you know, the, the actual solar system itself, like soul system, then, you know, everybody can have that reference of like, hey, it's Mars. It's actually like Jupiter or Pluto or wherever. And yeah. then that way there was that actual sense of belonging where yeah, you and, are and, 
in, you, in that same universe. And you have things like, you know, there, there's trade between right. places. Like mm-hmm. you, get, you go out to the asteroid belt and your space truck and then you pick up some. Yeah, if you could just do like the <laughs> truck simulator in space. Um, Are we making space truck simulator now? Yes. You know, have you, have you listened to the show before? Because that and railroad tycoon in space comes up over and over. Those are things we, those are things we want really, really badly. There's no question. Oh, sure. Nobody, nobody seems to be able to make Euro Truck in space. Like Braben tried, but eh. yeah. um, because the economy ain't there, and and, mm. and it's like there's. I've I've done this so many times, audience. I will not burden you with it, but but it's just <laughs> the, it's just the thing. Like Euro Truck, you got to make payments on your truck, and in mm-hmm. elite. You bought that ship, you own it. Now you don't have to really upkeep it, so you're just grinding money towards the next ship. And it's not yeah. like you're trying to work to keep what you got. Yeah. So, right. and and I like the business challenge of like I got to keep the business afloat, and then I can worry well, about expanding. Kind of that thing. that that brings yeah. up a question I have. Sorry, Jim. Hang on. Um, with the business side of this game, like if you have repairs or something to your ship, do you have to pay for those with your money? Yes. Oh, 100%, yes. There you, you have go. To pay laborers to to, to <laughs> up keep your ships. Also, really? there's going to be mag drive fuel as well. Yep, you're going to have to manage a whole whack load of different things. Hey, so, when you're, when you're building ships, right? Yeah, because uh, I don't see like a ship building interface in here. No, no. Well, we have the uh, the the customization one, which is on a different video. Uh, so but is that, what I'm ahead. hoping for is I, I've got this idea. Like, man, you could make a mech lab for uh, starfighters, right? And then we have it's that. like. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm on. The <laughs> I know what's going oh, because boy. because given your background, right, with the Mac Warrior Living Legend, because it, mm-hmm. it's just like okay, well, these weapons have stats, right? Like if I put a large laser, I know that it does eight points of damage. It generates how much heat, and it's got so much range, and it'll fit in these slots, kind of deal, yeah. right? So then, so then you can boat small lasers if you want to, but then you got to deal with the range problem or. I can I can put on missiles and well how much ammo am I going to take and then the more ammo I carry the more I explode if I get shot in the wrong place kind of thing so yep. you're doing all these things you I, I I feel you nodding over there <laughs> and so that's before uh, the alien counters come into play too so here is a a uh, the the link didn't want to automatically uh, make a thumbnail in in Discord chat but you can see here like in the uh, in the stream chat. Uh, we have exactly that, where we have the the different slots, uh, the different locations on on your ship. This is oh, kind of a rudimentary setup. Uh, I'm super uh, moist right now. Totally work in progress. Totally work in progress. Oh, so, like oh, oh my god! Okay. So, so yeah, this is this is basically exactly what I was envisioning because yeah. it, it's just like I want MechWarrior Living Legends in space. Who could do oh, that? Hmm. These guys. And it's oh, kind of totally good, but do you but do you have experience, sir? Because it's always co- oh, it's right. also combined arms. You have to have various arms to to. Well, and that's uh, the thing in with the very threats. That's what I'm saying. That's what they, got, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, tanks. You got your yeah. So you got fighters here, right? Do you have tanks? Are there mechs? Are we going to get mechs? Is there Gundams? Space <laughs> mechs. Mechs. Mm. Mm. So, so people mechs, people demanding mechs. lambs, right? The, there's also there are more tank oh, fighters. God. I mean. <laughs> you, you you missed that discussion. We we were talking about uh, the the people in the BattleTech forum that are crying about. I want my lambs. <laughs> you know, where's my clan mechs for the new BattleTech game that came out? And it's like, come on, guys. This is back when you had to 
actually play the game, not just hold the button down. <laughs> well, at least with Lambs, that was a legitimate question because they actually yeah. existed in 3025. But people who want the clans in 3025, eh, no. People who want the clans no. ever are wrong. So the... <laughs> Can't, can't disagree with you there. Yeah. So so Dan, balance, this game balance. this game looks great. Uh for us Kickstarter backers that backed at the appropriate level, when will we be able to play the alpha? The alpha, we have a penciled in date. Hold on, I gotta minimize all my stuff. We have uh alpha for August twenty eighteen. But that's and so will, far will away. we be able to buy into that? like clear up to then or is the end of the campaign the end of it well but um we haven't announced it yet but we're also going to be uh looking at uh further to kickstarter we're actually looking at other platforms that we'll actually be uh working on and also exposing it so that that way you guys can actually vote on like particular designs when we're designing either like new aliens new spacecraft and new weapons you guys will be able to actually jump on board with that um, of but course, it's... as well, we, uh, like I said, we, we are wanting to build a demo that is, uh, free for everybody. That's a limited style of the demo. We're going to be, uh, breaking down a lot of this stuff. So, um, we're only being restricting you to like certain things. Uh, the, the campaign's not going to be, uh, uh, as vast as what we're talking about, but it's probably going to be like a, a very kind of basic, uh, skirmish mode where you have like waves of meteors that are coming in. And then we'll have like an end um, uh, ending ladder. Uh, so that way you can actually like paste your scoreboard and show everybody else on like how you did versus uh, everybody else. And then we'll be expanding on, on the demo as well with additional bits with the, the story campaign. So that way you guys can see like where we wanted to, to take like the narrative um, I think further to I, that. I think what Jim was asking is after the campaign, will there be like an alpha funding where you can go to the solar warden website and buy in? to Slacker, yeah. basically like, yes so we'll have okay. something similar to that uh we're working on it right now but uh, okay. we're not ready to to announce that quite yet because of course kickstarter is running <laughs> right of course but that's still pretty why, cool why though. i talk about after kickstarter when kickstarter is running of course but i, I think that's because some some of those people might have that not, might not have the money during the campaign but they or still want to hear this podcast yeah after the campaign yeah exactly over, they so might hear this podcast know, well, yeah yeah oh yeah Good for point. sure and uh, like I said, it'll be announced all throughout our website of like what pl- like the platform that we're actually going to be using. Uh, we're actually in talks with one right now and setting up oh, a, a staging for them. Yep, oh, okay, we're, we're, we've already got the 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 uh, the go ahead with that. We just have to make sure everything else lines up with that. And of course, the the people that um, uh, like I've heard from several different people where uh, they're they're not comfortable with their credit card for uh, Kickstarter or whatever. We're going to be providing uh, a PayPal as well. To, that's good. Uh, yeah. Go beyond Kickstarter. That's where my so that's that where my head was going was was PayPal. Yeah, um, of course. But we have at I least don't know one why more. Kickstarter doesn't allow PayPal. But uh, I wish it would. Anyway. I, I, uh, but we at least have one more backer, the Tickles gentleman. Um, awesome. Thank you, Tickles. Tickles too. Uh, I'm assuming Tickles too. It's, it's a gentleman. That's most of our audience. <laughs> <laughs> but um thank you I, so much for your support I yes thank you it. thank you tickles but i i it seems like the ki- the campaign is moving along like it seemed like you had a little bit of a slump there but now it seems to be picking up steam again um it's 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 always the peaks and valleys we have our uh like since our first weekend it was awesome we had like tons of support from a ton of different people 
Uh, of course, it had a slump throughout the week, but of course, everybody's working, right? And then when it picked, right. like when we had our live stream as well on uh, uh, over this past weekend, it picked yeah. up again. Of course, with uh, any any additional exposure that we can get, because for sure, man, I, I want to get on Rock Paper Shotgun. I want to get on Kotaku. If you guys like know any writers over there, tell them that hey, you know, Solo Warden is is awesome. It's going to be a great game, and let them know so that way we can spread the word to everybody else. Well, KickTrack is now saying you're going to reach 120% of your goal. Uh, <laughs> right. Er- earlier well, kick, to, er- KickTrack's kind of schizophrenic. I, I know, but earlier today when I looked, it said 114. So, so uh, what you're telling me is your your it, podcast it went, listeners have, have pledged their support. Awesome. I, I don't know if that's the case, <laughs> but it's gone up since last I looked. So I'm not saying we're All responsible, right. but every little bit. Um, so, folks, every again... The game is Solar Warden. It is currently on Kickstarter. It ends. Whoa, hang on. It ends. May twenty second. So yeah, it ends in uh, three weeks, basically, pretty much exactly three weeks um, mm-hmm. from when we're recording this, which is May first. Happy May Day, everyone! By the way. Um. So yeah, basically it's check it out. Be May. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I couldn't help myself. Shit, I had a whole closing thing and now it's ruined. It's totally ruined. <laughs> I can't I, I had a I was in a rhythm and everything. <laughs> record record scratch. Um for anyone who knows what a record is. Uh so Dan, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh come on and talk to us. My pleasure. Uh this evening about your game. It looks great. I can't wait to actually play it in August. Mm. Might be sooner than that. Oh, okay, sooner. Yay, sooner is better. Uh, <laughs> the the actual sooner. alpha, though, uh, will be in August. Sooner is better. Sooner is better. I did. I backed it an alpha level. I'm very excited. Um, yeah, same. Same. I did too. Awesome. But, but uh, yeah, so, folks, the game is Solar Warden. It is on Kickstarter for three more weeks as of this recording. Uh, definitely check it out. They've already made a bunch of videos on their YouTube channel, which look great. I watched a bunch of them today. Um, so just a couple of quick programming notes, folks. We are off on Thursday because I have a thing I have to do. So we won't be here. So no stream, uh, no land party on Thursday. Next Tuesday on the podcast, we're still figuring it out because we need a topic. We're going to figure it out. Um, I've been super busy and I haven't nagged anyone. I've been really lacking you know, in, I've been lacking in my nagging. Basically lacking you know what in my nagging. What we need nagging. to do on a Thursday night. What we need to do is play Mac where living legends and bring this guy with us. No, I tried to do coach. that not so long ago. Yeah, I know, but now we got the man, right? So we got star <laughs> power. This is this is like this is like getting anymore. Westman to play X Wing with us. Well, this is this is what I was thinking just for fun. Is uh, I was actually going to talk more to uh, Liko and the other guys on the uh, Community Living Legends team. I was I was going to ask them uh, how I can get access to the Golden Mech, so that way I have people hunt me down, and the first five people to kill me on Mech Warrior Living Legends gets a key to Solar Warden. Ooh. So isn't it isn't it two hundred and fifty dollars for the Golden? That's one? that's a great. I'm not great talking about idea. MWO. I know. No, <laughs> no that's a great idea. That's a great idea. 
<laughs> so uh, I'll talk. I'll talk with those guys, and we'll see if we can't get that set up. And I'll make sure to uh, hit you guys up on when we're going to be doing that. Yeah, there's a guy on my team that has a gold dire wolf that he gets out, and it's like seriously. <laughs> now my wife bought it for me. So yeah, folks, I, I don't know. What yeah. do you guys think? Should I have uh, golden ships and and uh, solar? No, Warden for no, no, please don't. Please no. don't. Um, so yeah, folks, that's, that's, that's the weird thing. That's the weird thing about like the game space we live in is like digital goods are like seriously a thing. That that needs mm-hmm. to be one of your stretch goals. Blame it is, on Bethesda like, with their horse armor. Blame it on Bethesda. It's all there. One for of me. your one of your stretch goals is like if if you like two hundred percent fund, then everybody gets like a free JPEG of a golden ship. And <laughs> uh, I don't want it. <laughs> I, that, that would not make me back at a higher level. I'm just saying that is not an incentive for me as a backer. Just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about instead of a, a JPEG, it's an animated GIF? Oh yeah! Now you're talking. Now you have my attention. You, you get more money. You get more worth for your money. <laughs> now you have me. Instead of a concept, it's it's a pre-recorded video in in a web format. <laughs> if you if if you if you make it into an actual meme, you will have my money, sir. And if, you, All right. and if you hit a million dollars, you will come over and play the game for them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, done. I'm done with that. So yeah, folks, you, need a, you need a backer tier as, as that is. We will show up at your house for X amount of dollars. Unless they live in like, you know, Uganda or like Libya or, you know, somewhere. Syria. Yeah, no, no scary places. <laughs> no, no, no scary just places. Just like make, make it a thing. Like if you like. We get to choose. For the United States or this is only for Canada or this is. <laughs> we only go to Tahiti. If you're in a Tahiti. That's the only place we're going, and you will pay for our plane ticket. No, uh, it's like you, you, you spend two thousand dollars, I will come and play Mech Warrior Living Legends in your living room with you, <laughs> with a real mech. That'd be that'd be weird. <laughs> that'd be really weird. That'd be really weird. All right, folks, thank you so much for note. listening to our Patreon subscribers. Especially, thank you for backing us. You help keep the lights on. We really appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, the MP3 of this will go up in a couple of days if you want to subscribe to that. Um, so thank you everyone for listening and for watching. Dan, thank you for joining us. And we will thank see you. So you we'll um, see you guys. Oh, last, last but not least, if anybody out there knows anybody at Evolve HQ, get them on the horn because I'm oh, not happy right now. Right? Anyway. Right? <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Anybody knows them, give me a Yeah, evolve. Really get really get your crap together. Seriously, we love your service. Get your shit together. Evolve. Come on. I was paying Thanks, you Morty. until you shut down. I will pay you again if you get your shit in order. Just just saying. Yeah. Alright, good night everybody.